0: Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. With mixed market bet builders, in-play betting, and a selection of welcome offers, make sure your Premier League is spent with BetVictor's premier betting app. 18 plus be
1: NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash
0: presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my
1: name is Yona and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast.
0: Fellow Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, it is my absolute privilege to welcome this individual on the podcast today. He made 180 appearances for the club, scoring 12 goals. During his time with Chelsea, he was part of the team that won promotion in 1989 and won the full Members' Cup by scoring the winning goal in 1990. Here is Tony DiRigo. Tony, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. How are you?
1: I am very good and thank you very much for having me on, mate
0: like i said absolute pleasure are you looking forward to the new season starting very soon
1: yeah absolutely i i think with the uh, obviously the euro 2020s that just happened obviously in 21 which is all a bit odd uh, yes. so that was quite exciting uh, but now i have to say get me back to the league you know every single time because uh, the premier league it is a great competition and uh, so much to look forward to and of course at the start of a season it's always exciting because with new signings, you know, the new managers, you know, lots goes on. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to get it underway. And no doubt, at the start of the season, you've got so many teams that think they can do well. Of course, five, six games in, a lot of them know they can't do very well. But yeah, <laughs> yes. at the moment, uh, yeah, Chelsea are <laughs> certainly right up there.
0: Well, we're going to talk about Chelsea in the present climax later on, but I want to sort of begin this interview, but as I have done with all the others, by asking yourself, when you was a young man, for example, did you have any influences in your life, Decided to become a professional footballer.
1: Uh, for me, it was uh, a dream. Growing up in Australia, in Adelaide, Australia is really the backwater in in football terms. So, uh, to to think about playing for the big English clubs was an absolute dream. And uh, and it was as a seven eight year old, you know, that's what I dreamt about. But uh, you got to aim high, and why not aim for the you know the very top? And, and that's what I did. But I wrote letters. I wrote twelve letters. Uh, when I was 15 to uh, the top 12 clubs, not the bottom clubs, <laughs> not the second division or whatever it was, only the the top half of the, the now Premier League. And I got one reply and that was from Aston Villa. And uh, that was it. You know, I had my opportunity. So uh, uh, a lot of people at the time in Adelaide thought I was a bit crazy, you know, come back to reality and this, that and the other, but one or two uh, certainly mentors, no one would know them here, but, you know, players, hmm. experienced players there said, you know what, Tony, you know, go and, and follow your dream and why not? And uh, yeah, look where it, uh, it it got me, which was uh, which was absolutely, you know, a wonderful career I look back on. But yeah, I think people, if you talk to me, at uh, 14, 15, you thought I was from out of space. I thought I was a bit mad, but uh, uh, it happened, which is great.
0: And I think when you sort of look at that particular story, the fact that you you wrote to the football clubs, obviously nowadays it's probably a little bit different because of there's so many departments in these football yeah. clubs now, whereas beforehand it was just send a letter to the football stadium or send it to the, the office. But it is just a case of if you are a young aspiring footballer, if you're a young aspiring coach, for for example, there's no reason why you can't contact the clubs. There's no reason why you can't still you know, if you've got a dream, go out and try and chase it, basically. And yeah, it, it that's what you did. and
1: It did. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and I think what is important as well is, you know, don't let uh, anything get in your way. I, I now do a lot of corporate speaking as well. So I talk about, you know, maximizing your own potential uh, and not putting a ceiling in the way of what you think you can achieve. And, and that's really important. You know, you might not become, you know, you, you like me, when we were seven, eight years old, we, you know, we probably all had a dream. And you might want to be an England international, like you know, I wanted to, but there's nothing wrong with that. We can all have the same yeah. dream, but how far we get up that that ladder, you know, is down to you and, and what you put into it. But also if you do the best with what you've got, you should be really proud of yourself. So it's that sort of attitude I think is really important. And that's why, you know, me thinking what I could do as a young lad in Adelaide, uh, it is possible. Everyone else thought it wasn't possible. Why not? You know, give me a really good reason why not. And there, there isn't one. So in my mind there wasn't. And you can then go out in there and there and grab what you can. But, but it's difficult to kind of get in, as you say. But I was lucky uh, in that uh, I, wrote, uh, <laughs> I wrote a three or four-page letter, which was full of rubbish, honestly, full <laughs> of God knows what. But Villa saw something in it. I thought, you know what, give this cheeky Aussie lad uh, a bit of a go. Uh, but that's what you need to do. You know, just take a shot because you never know what might happen.
0: And who were your idols growing up as a kid?
1: Um, again, it, it wasn't really around English football. Uh, my exposure to English football in Australia was two, one hour football shows. So it was kind of the match of the day, I think was one and then star soccer, which obviously now no longer kind of exists. And I, I saw the passion. I saw the players, I saw the crowds and that's what excited me really, uh, in Australia at that time, it was all part-time soccer as they called it. And, uh, you know, you couldn't do it professionally and it wasn't really a, a great career choice, but I knew coming to England, you know, certainly was a career choice. So uh, I did have kind of inspirational people around me, but that was just in local Adelaide football, you know, nothing, nothing like that. My, because my, my first kind of, not idols, but the people I, I looked up to was actually uh, a golfer, Greg Norman. I thought, wow, that, that guy is amazing because he's going around the world. He's He's six foot three. He's blonde. He's good. Look at he collects Ferraris for God's sake. The guy's a legend, you know. <laughs> and he's an Aussie from Queensland who surfs, no doubt. Uh, now makes his own wine. And you know what more? What, what isn't there to like? But yeah, for, for me, it was a, certainly a, a dream. And then football, the the level over here was so far away of what uh, I was used to.
0: You've mentioned Aston Villa briefly uh, just a minute ago. Twenty four years ago, just going quite a long back, way back now. June 1987, you signed for Chelsea from Aston Villa for a fee when I was doing my research. A fee was believed to be £475,000. How did this move come about for you?
1: What an absolute bargain. Uh, Yes, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was interesting because, and I I won't uh, quote it any other way, and it was a a complete shock to me because I went to Aston Villa uh, as a 15-year-old when I had that trial. I then signed as an apprentice. Uh, um, A year and a half later, at 17 and a half, I signed a professional contract. 18, I was in the Aston Villa first team. I think 19 or 20 I was, I was player of the season at Aston Villa. So everything was going, you know, swimmingly well. And I, in my head, naively thought I'm going to be here for my whole career. I would sign a 10-year contract because they've been great to me and I just want to stay. Um, Lo and behold, one particular season, um, we were struggling at Aston Villa. Uh, and we could not score goals for Toffee, and we were struggling down near the relegation zone. And uh, David Speedy, who was at Chelsea, was on the uh, outside at Chelsea and wanted a move, and Villa was suddenly desperate to get him to score some goals. And when deadly Doug Ellis, the Aston Villa chairman, rang up the equally deadly (laughs) Ken Bates, (laughs) there was a conversation, and Ken said, well, yeah, fine, Uh, you can have Speedy, but as long as we get Derigo. And so uh, the Aston Villa chairman rang me up and said, right, I'm picking you up in an hour, let's go we're meeting with chelsea and this is in the march so the windows were slightly different then yes so this is the yeah right at the end of the uh, the transfer window uh, the last bit of the season that you could then finally you know get one or two players in and so i jumped in the the chairman's old bentley and we uh, we cruised down to the uh, it was old posthouse hotel at heathrow and i'll never ever forget we were on the third floor and there was a meeting room on the third floor but as we got up to the third floor so i'm with uh, my agent and, uh, Aston Villa chairman. I look across and 20 yards down the, uh, the corridor is an agent, David Speedy and Ken Bates. And we looked at each other. So three on three, and then suddenly it was like a hostage situation. We kind of passed each other in the corridor. I said to Speedy, good luck. He goes, no, you need you know, more luck than me, mate. And we, we kind of passed. <laughs> and then, uh, in I went with, uh, with Mr. Ken Bates and had a chat and, uh, It was all too quick. It was like ridiculous. Mm. So I didn't quite agree to the move. David Speedy didn't agree to the move either. So we went back to our prospective clubs for the March thing. Unfortunately, uh, we struggled and we got relegated. uh, But Chelsea came straight back in for me uh, with that bid. And uh, I said, no, we really want to sign you. And um, so I said, yeah, great. You know, off I go. Um, Let's have a new adventure.
0: And being at Chelsea, there was obviously times where it wasn't basically Chelsea were not the team that they are now. So you was going to a side that was a lot different. They weren't the real challengers in the league, but what were sort of the, the reasonings for choosing Chelsea? Was it just a case of the fact that Villa did go down and you want, as you say, you wanted a new challenge. Were there other reasons that played a part in it?
1: Uh, when I was, again, I think just six months before that, uh, Liverpool Had a, I think put a bid in as well. I think Manchester United put a bid in, uh, but Chelsea's bid was like way over uh, kind of anyone else's. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I think as a player, what is important is you want to feel wanted. You know, you you really want to feel wanted. And it was just a shock to me that Villa even thought of kind of, you know, uh, selling me to, and I understand why they did it, you know, but that changed my mindset completely. I thought, hold a sec, you know, I need to go somewhere where they really do want me. Uh, At the same time, I wanted to play, uh, as the Premier League is now you know in the, in the top division. yeah uh, and, and Chelsea had some really good players. Uh, it was a you know obviously Chelsea's an attractive proposition even back then, you know obviously West London and all that goes with it. Uh, so I thought yeah, yeah and John Hollands met with uh, John Hollins and he was just fantastic. you know what a guy he was and I thought yeah let, let, let's uh, let's give this a go. I'm gonna you know have some fun down here.
0: You've mentioned John Hollins. what was he like as a coach for you?
1: Uh, really good. Really, really good. He was uh, firstly, a lovely human being. That's the, that's the first thing I'll say, you know, what a guy. And then uh, he's enthusiastic, you know, good coach, obviously had a a coaching team around him as well. Uh, But yeah, I got on, you know, really well with him. Um, And he was a, you know, an excellent manager. The only thing I would say is that he was always uh, hamstrung to a point because, uh, as yes, he was the manager in name, but certainly Mr Bates had his fingers in everything, you know, uh, all the pies at that point. And, and that's what I soon found um, was a, a problem, you know, in, in that if you really, really want to win things, you know, everyone has to be rowing in the right direction. And uh, I just, that, that's when I started finding out uh, it's some difficult things, you know, at, uh, at the club. But uh, Holly for me was great, you know, and that one of the reasons I came because uh, such a good guy and such a good coach.
0: Do you remember your first day of training? What was that like being with your new teammates and
1: sort of joining a new club? Um, I don't remember the, the exact first day, but I do remember, you know, the, the, the first, the start of it type of thing. Because you had, uh, I suppose, one or two kind of left backs that were there that, that kind of knew they weren't going to play and that, that I was going to play. And that was a bit, in you know, Keith Dublin, I think, Dubbers was there kind of at that point as well. And it, it, that's always a bit awkward when you know that, uh, you know, someone has come in to take your place type of thing. So, uh, mm. but, but on the whole, the, the lads were great. You know, they were really were a good bunch of lads and, um, you know, and some fine players. And that's the thing. And when you look at it closely, we had some, you know, some really good players there. Uh, and I remember, you know, so many battles with good old Pat Nevin in training. Uh, <laughs> we used to like kick lumps out of each other. And he'd try and take me and I'd kick him again. And, you know, and on we went. So, but all in very good nature, obviously, and uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, you know, we had some really good players, you know, and I thought, I honestly thought, you know, we could do, we could do well.
0: Now you made your major debut for Chelsea. It was against Sheffield Wednesday. Do you remember it well? And what was the atmosphere like on opening day?
1: The weirdest thing I think I remember about the Sheffield Wednesday game uh, was actually <laughs> the, what the chairman did before the game uh trying to get us to sign a document uh with regard to deduction of tax and this is what i'm on about in that holly had worked so hard in pre-season to get us all ready and tuned in and suddenly there'd be a grenade you know inside the dressing room and uh you know we suddenly didn't come out for our warm-up on time because we were still complaining that we're not signing these documents it was stuff like that that i found quite shocking Uh, Yeah, if you put that aside, and suddenly you get out and with the boys and the team, it was it was wonderful. So yeah, once we uh, got out of that, we didn't sign obviously anything. Uh, Told them where to go, got our kit back on, (laughs) ran outside, and then it was nuts. You know, then you see the crowd are going absolutely crazy, uh, and off you go. And uh, yeah, the bridge—I know it was a bit different to what it is now, Mm. but uh, you know, there's some real hardcore fans at at Chelsea, and and you knew that at home and especially away as well. You know, the support, the travelling support. I always gauge a club by, you know, how many can you can you take up to wherever it is on a cold Tuesday night? And uh, Chelsea always took, you know, thousands upon thousands. And, uh, yeah, the, the support was always brilliant.
0: The season that you did join, 87-88, Chelsea were relegated at the end of that season. Yeah. In, back in September, we were second in the league. So, in your opinion, based on that, what what happened? What transpired from being where we were sort of at round about the start of the season, sort of go heading into like the first ten games, to then being relegated, having that playoff with Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough. it was a yeah. two to two, two legged playoff. What in your opinion caused the club to go yeah. down to uh, the second division?
1: I, I think um I don't know how, it one of the, I still don't quite know how we did go down because with the players that we had, you know, we, we should never have uh, have gone down. Uh, but once you get on that slippery slope, you start making mistakes, you know, and again, and, and you know, we, I take responsibility equally as, as every, all the other players do for, you know, the performances that season. But there were still other things around the place that just weren't helping. So you put it all together and suddenly you're not performing where you should be. And then you get on a bit of a slippery slope. And I think it was the only season, I think I'm right in saying the only season that the fourth bottom side, uh, ended up going down because it was a playoff, you know, against Middlesbrough, and so we had, obviously we ended up going down. I remember, uh, in the second leg, I think Pat Nevin had a chance to to score near the end of the game to you know to get us back back in it, and mm. somehow missed as well. Just whatever we did, just you know didn't work out. So it was like it was destined to say, no, no, you've got to get relegated. You have got to experience that, and then you know get back up again. So hugely frustrating. You go to a new club and uh, you want to perform well, and I think uh, I did well. It was good, but. As a team you know we we didn't do well and it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't good enough, but the weirdest memory I have of that when we actually did get relegated from the end of that middlesbrough game as soon as the game had finished, I walked into the dressing room um and obviously we were desolate, you know we were so disappointed no one really said much at all and then the uh you know the manager came out um expressed you know his uh disappointment, but you know thanked everyone and this that and the other oh and also. Uh, Tony, you've made the England squad for the 1988 European Championships. You're you're off to Germany, you know, with the England squad uh, in a few weeks. And I thought, what the hell is going on? Like, what what a be t- what a time to be told just after yeah. being relegated. You know, it yeah. was uh, it was all a bit weird, I have to say. But so, yeah, hugely disappointing, obviously. But so you just got to get on with it and uh, roll your sleeves up and uh, and crack on.
0: You talk about the dressing room at Chelsea. Now, I've spoken to a few people that were at part of that side and was there sort of a, a collective from you to say was there any clicks that you found within the Chelsea team when we was going for a bit of a, a bad patch and there were certain people that weren't happy with others did you see that at all or was it
1: I think when you look at um, and again I, I talk a lot about this and I use mm. Chelsea as example and Villa and what have you when you when you have issues, when things don't go well, that's what people do. They go insular, they go to cliques, they start blaming others. And, you know, mm. you need to take responsibility. You know, that sort of thing is the sign of a, a weakened group. And so you're right, you know, naturally that that does happen. But there, there were quite good reasons why that could happen as well from outside of our, our team. And that was the frustrating th- thing that, you know, we were struggling as it was. We didn't need, you know, more problems to try and kind of sort out. Uh, so, yeah, and, and you had... Um, well, just some people that lived like in M.O. Hampstead, so North London, others lived in Surrey and Camberley down there. So, you know, they'd all go together and we'd all go together. It was just kind of where everyone lived as well. But you know what? None of that is an issue when things are going well, but it suddenly becomes a, you know, more and more of a a problem, uh, you know, when things don't go well. So you're always going to get some unhappy people that aren't playing or whatever it is. That's just the nature of the sport. But what I will say is, you know, once, the following season come round and we were winning the league by 10, 15 points and beating everyone in sight. Lo and behold, all those problems disappear. You know, it doesn't matter where you are or what you do. So it really is a sign really of, uh, you know, of where you are and some, and some people, you know, handled it not as well as others.
0: For you personally, though, you did however win Chelsea's player of the year that season. This must have, pleased you and it also gave you the confidence boost knowing that you despite the team being relegated that your performances were that consistent enough for fans to support you and also the players to see what you was doing on, on the pitch
1: yeah no absolutely you know and, I'm, and I must admit I, I'm very proud of, of that as well um, for a fullback you know sometimes we don't always get the, the limelight. those pesky strikers that keeps scoring the goals <laughs> what have you but you know what, uh, I think, uh, you know, true football fans, they just love a player that, you know, gives 100% for their team, you know, wh- whatever that is. And uh, I think that's all I do. I just go out there and, and give my best and I do what I can do. And um, yeah, I, I, and that's one thing I'm very proud of. I was player of the year at Aston Villa for one of the years at Chelsea. Then at Leeds United when we won the title. I went to Torino mm-hmm. as player of the year there as well. So those awards, uh, yeah, for me, they, they, they mean a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And just to know that the, you know, the, the Chelsea fans are behind you is, uh, is great.
0: You've mentioned 1988 European Championships, you get called up. And as you say, the timing could have been a bit better, you know, massively. But (laughs) there was a little bit of rumours that when I was going through, there was a little bit of rumours that came out, um, whether it actually came out in, in one of the newspapers, that was it true that you did ask for a transfer that summer? when Chelsea got relegated and whether or not that coincided with being called up to England, was there any truth to the rumours? No,
1: well, it was a bit, it was a bit later than that. Uh, Right. And uh, it was, um, so we, so Glasgow Rangers were uh, in for me and they were trying to, to, to buy me. And I think we were trying to get, I think little Derek Ferguson for Chelsea. So it was going to be like a swap deal type of thing. Hmm. Uh, And uh, they were trying and trying for, for quite a long time. And it was just, uh, it was hugely frustrating when at Chelsea, as I said, you know, and it wasn't within the camp, it was outside. And I just found it when you, and Aston Villa, again, everyone was going the right direction, the same direction. It may not have been very good that last season, but at least from the chairman to the, the coaches, everyone had the same ideas where at that time at Chelsea, it's very different to what it is now. And that's what I suppose maybe some people listening to this will find it hard to, to understand, but um you know, the, the, the owner can have a huge influence on things and how things are run and, and what, what, what's done. And um, it, it was a struggle. So Holly, I think, you know, eventually he, had, he left and uh, suddenly, you know, we had new managers here then everywhere. And then I had Glasgow Rangers, you know, desperate to get me up to there. And that was when they had all the England internationals up there. So, you know, Chris Wood, Terry Butcher, you know, Gary Stevens, Trevor Steven, uh, all of that lot. So um, I went in to see the chairman and, uh, yep, I did put a transfer request in. I explained exactly why. Uh, so I went into great detail. I was rather nervous <laughs> going in there and telling him, <laughs> as you could imagine. But to be fair to him, he sat there and listened. Um, but then when he did listen, he said, I'll just get your contract. He turned it over and says, you've still got two years left. There's the door. I won't talk. I won't mention the expletives that he then used. So sure. uh, I thought you're never going to be a politician, Mr. Bates. Um, but you know, I, will, I will hang around. I'll do my best. Uh, and then I'll look to... You know, to, to see where else I could go, that um, I think gives me a better opportunity to to win the win titles and win mm-hmm. win medals, uh, and that's that's the top and bottom of it. You know, um, I he said no, and that's it. So I, I played out to right to the end of my career, and uh, you know, really enjoyed it. We did well. We we come back up and won by a mile. Then I think we mm-hmm. finished on the seventh or eighth or something or other. But you know, we were never far from a bit of a catastrophe or a disaster, and and there was like this bit of a roller coaster at the time, which. Uh, I thought there's got to be better circumstances to you know to try and uh, and and win stuff. But yeah, certainly that that even the the season of the championship, were, you know, was fantastic. I mean, wow, it was uh, it was some season. We I think we went 35 or 36 games unbeaten at one point, and then we went up to Man City and uh, that game will, that will live long in the memory because it was us and Man City basically, you know, for the title uh, to be champions. And uh, yeah, that away game was was brilliant.
0: I'll talk about the Man City game. Just a bit, but I just want to sort of go back to Chelsea being relegated. But that summer, with Bobby Campbell at the helm, and he brought in the likes of Graham Roberts, Peter Nicholas, he brought in as well. How crucial was it for that team, and how crucial was the team mindset to be positive to get back up to
1: the first division? And yeah,
0: with a club like Chelsea being in the second division, how crucial was it for the club? To get back into the first division,
1: no. Listen, it, it was everything. Like it, let's let's be honest, it was a disaster. You know, getting relegated because you had, you know, international. So I'm England international. We had Scottish internationals. You know, Kerry Dixon, England international, mm. Pat Nevin, Steve Clark. You know, going on, you know, we shouldn't be playing in the cha- in the in the old uh, you know championship. So mm. uh, it was an absolute disaster. But when um, Graham Roberts came uh, and Peter Nicholas, just a bit of you know experience and metal. Uh, as well it was brilliant you know so we had that that kind of uh, strength uh, there in the centre of the park as well and we all you know we had the players all around and it just all kind of came together so that was really important Uh, certainly Robbo um, (laughs) he he soon worked out what Chelsea was like and he fell out with a a few people as well
0: so it was in division two uh, talk about uh, when you scored you did manage to score your first goal for Chelsea do you remember who it was against
1: Oh, my first goal. I don't know. But what I do know, I was my most prolific in my career was at Chelsea. Yes. Uh, which was good. Who was the first goal? Go on. You, Walsall at home, 2-0. Walsall at home, right. It's a cracker that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do remember. I saw it at Manchester United and Man City yes. away. Uh, yeah, and, and a few others. Uh, I, I saw a free kick against David Seaman, which uh, against QPR at home which I remember he thought it was going to be a cross and I nipped it into that near post and caught him off guard. And uh, yeah, I weighed in with a, you know, a few goals, um, which is great. But if you think, you know, we had the likes of, you know, Gordon Jury, uh, Kerry Dixon, uh, Kevin McAllister as well, Pat Nevin, you know, some really talented players and Willow Kevin Wilson got, couldn't get in the team, you know, on a regular basis. yet He could yeah. score, you know, plenty as well. Yeah. So we had uh, a lot of options there to score plenty of goals. And I think finally with that, a bit of confidence, obviously determination to get back into the in the old first division. Uh, we end up scoring a hatful. I think I scored, I think six or seven, which I've never... You scored you know, six
0: goals that season. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Nosebleed. Nosebleed time for me. <laughs> that
1: six. That was good. That was good.
0: Um, I'm assuming you was pleased with this return, bearing in mind the position you played in uh, as a fullback. And just sort of, just describe to the listeners, for those that maybe are more sort of know you from your time as a commentator, but... What sort of type of fullback was you? Was you sort of looking to be a more of a goal scoring fullback, or was you more defensively minded?
1: Uh, no, I think I when I grew up, uh, I was always a winger, so I always played left right. wing, and I scored plenty of goals, you know, through youth football, maybe in Australia. Um, but then I got uh, swapped to a fullback on a on a tour uh, when I was seventeen at Aston Villa. So suddenly, I had the ability to go forward. I actually, thought actually, maybe this kid can defend, you know, as well. So, what I was was uh, very comfortable and, and technical on the ball, very, very quick, but suddenly I could defend as well. So, uh, you know, that was kind of a, uh, a more modern fullback. And now, what you're seeing the fullbacks, you know, that's what they are. You know, they're quick, they're good on the ball, they cross, and they can, uh, you know, weigh in going forward. Uh, sometimes, maybe not quite as defensively. Uh, solid but now you know going forward is what it's all about whereas when I first started it was more you know the big strong fullback would be solid defensively uh, and maybe not get forward so much so basically I was a bit of a a winger's nightmare because wingers hated to defend and I would just run past them all the time and uh, they you know kind of wouldn't track back so uh, yeah that, that's the sort of thing that I was so being a winger as well you know lots of crosses I would get in there and uh, and really try and, try and supply people with goals as well.
0: One goal in particular that I would like to mention, that you've already mentioned, it was at Main Road, was against Manchester City. Yes. Talk, talk to us about that particular game, Tony, because as you say, it was the top two, I believe, it, at the time in the league. It yeah. was basically the title decider. You can see see the highlights on YouTube. There are sort of, you know, sort of little bit of clips here and there, but just talk to us about that particular game itself, Tony.
1: Yeah, because Man City, uh, you know, they were flying as well that season, so we, we, us two were the the class of the division that year. It was going to come down between us, simple as that. We were beating everyone else kind of out of sight. And uh, the big game, and we had to go into their backyard and uh, and kind of take them on. And uh, we wore that uh, we had red and white stripy kits. Iconic uh, kits, yes. Yeah, iconic kits, exactly. <laughs> but I remember it just because of that game, because the the noise, mm. honestly, the noise we made that day. And, and, and City, you know, they were giving up plenty, but our support that day was just incredible. And yeah, we, it was a, a great game of football. You know, a few mistakes here, goals here and there. But uh, from a, a corner kick that we were defending, um, we, on the break, uh I think, I think Kevin Wilson, I think it was, kind of stopped the ball. And it, I was 10 yards inside our own half. And I just picked it up and just legged it. And uh, no one basically could catch me. I ran 40, 50, 60 yards. And suddenly there I am in the middle of the goal with a keeper coming out to me. Uh, and I'm a fullback, for God's sake. I go around the keeper and slot it in. And and, and I score. And everyone goes nuts again. So it was just unbelievable. You know One of those games. But because of the importance, because it was away uh, and... Again, you know, the previous season was such a disappointing one that you know every game we played there it was always a tough one. But suddenly, this is the biggest game for a few years and a tough one. And uh, yeah, to score was was pretty darn special. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's one goal I do remember very clearly.
0: Not being biased, would you say that's the best goal of your career?
1: Uh, it is right up there. It is right up there. There is uh, there's one or two for Leeds that I scored which were pretty special when we won the title. Right. I also would say another one that's really important that I suppose it's easy for other people to gloss over, but not me. It was scored for Chelsea when we beat Middlesbrough in the Zenith Data Systems final at yes. Wembley. And you know what? I know it's only Zenith Data Systems final, you know, not one of the big FA Cups or whatever mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. but try and tell me that when we're playing in front of 76,500 yeah. people, at Wembley in a cup final, and when Chelsea hadn't won anything for a long time, Middlesbrough had won jack all for even longer, and you've got these two hungry sets of supporters. We had, I think, forty thousand Chelsea supporters, you know, inside the stadium, uh, and I stick a free kick into the top corner, and we win one nil. Um, and so this is the stuff of dreams, and and you know that little kid in Adelaide, that's what I was dreaming of, and there the heck I was doing it for Chelsea. So. Okay, wasn't my best goal. Goalkeeper probably should have stopped it. Doesn't matter. It was a, a really big one for me, so I, I'd love that goal.
0: I want to talk about that final as well because I've got the uh, VHS tape and I actually watched it the other day. I actually watched ah. it the other day while I was doing my research. So I want to talk about that later on, Tone. But that season, Chelsea did achieve promotion. How influential was Bobby Campbell in all of that, and in regards to? Your time at Chelsea, how influential
1: was he? Um, yeah, Bobby was. Uh, you know, obviously he was uh, uh, more senior. He was experienced. You know, nothing phased him. Uh, he got Robbo in. You know, you know, to be fair to, to, to Bobby, what he did do was get you know, the right people in. You know what we needed, and that was you know that that strong leadership with with Graham Roberts uh, and Nico. So uh, Bobby did well, but really um, you know, he had the players. Let's be honest, you know, Kerry Dixon, Jury and all those players I mentioned, uh, you know, should be playing in that sort of league. Um, so he just needed to make sure he fine-tuned it, put the right people in the right places. And uh, once the confidence started, you know, then off we went. But uh, yeah, it was uh, enjoyable and, and he did, uh, you know, everything he needed to do, all the right things. So the
0: first season back in the first division where Chelsea have been ever since, you know, they haven't been uh, down since... We finished fifth that season, which is quite a good achievement. There is not yeah. many clubs even now that come up from the second division and then finish as high as that. The next, but we also, as you say, won the full members cup, beating Middlesbrough in the final. Mentioned you scored the winner; it was a fabulous free kick. <laughs> just, I know you've sort of briefly mentioned it before, but just take us back to the day, sort of from the beginning, middle to the end. You know what was. Sort of the mood, like in the dressing room beforehand. How big of a moment was that for you to not just score, but then for it to be the winning goal? And just sort of when you sort of look back now, what how significant was that day for you?
1: Uh, it was huge. Uh, it it really was, and I suppose in the games building up to the final. So as we're playing the you know the earlier rounds. Mm-hmm. uh it, let's be honest, let's be frank, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of interest. You know, you, we didn't have 40,000 in the stadium out. There were, uh, you know, 10,000 or whatever it was. Yeah. So uh, we did, we beat whoever it was and we moved on and, and on it went. But as you got closer, you thought, well, actually, you know, we actually might be getting to Wembley here. So this is getting a bit more exciting. Then finally, you know, it, it come around, but uh, it, it wasn't, you know, right at the top of the list until we suddenly we are in the final now. And then you could sense the excitement around with everyone, you know, as well. And then you realize, Oh, wow, I'm actually going to play, you know, in a, in a final at Wembley. Um, So it was brilliant. You know, it really was the frustrating thing again uh, was outside the things that happened outside of the games um, because we didn't actually include the Zenith data systems in our bonus sheet that we signed and good old mr bates decided not to pay us anything uh no win bonuses along the way and this is the sort of thing that i i kind of refer back to as really really frustrating in that um you know it's just silly that it's just yeah. crazy you know we, we, you know winning a game whatever it is you always get a little win bonus. the way that it is we're getting to wembley now and uh yeah i won't go into detail but there's so much hoo-ha over that sort of stuff and that and that's the thing that uh, you know, in my head, I said, this isn't normal. This isn't, you know, what's required. But at the same time, you then try and put all that aside. And you think, right, you know, let, let's enjoy this moment as a team, you know, we, we've got here, let's go and, and go and win the darn thing. But uh, suddenly, the excitement building up to that. And then when you, you get to Wembley, uh, you think, oh, Jesus, you know, look how many people are here. Look at what is going on. You start warming up, and then it becomes very, very real. Then you think, Okay, the nerves are kind of you know settling in, whereas the previous games you know you just you got through them, you won and on you went. But yeah, getting to Wembley is always very very special, and I was fortunate to play at Wembley, obviously for, for my country, England, and uh, you know and for Chelsea and for them for Leeds and, and others. So it was um, always very very special to play there. But uh, yeah, that was my my first taste of it for Chelsea, and I must admit it was a uh, pretty damn special because the game itself. I'm sure you've watched it back again. I've watched some highlights. Uh, they had their chances, didn't they, Middlesbrough? Yeah, <laughs> they, did, they, Yes, they played yeah. well. They weren't yeah. bad at all. Uh, so I, I look back and thought, oh, yeah, Bernie Slaven kind of should have scored and someone else should have scored. But um, it's not who should have scored, it's uh, who does. And, who did, uh, yes. Who did, exactly. And yeah. and I am, as a, as a uh, former Chelsea player, I, I'm proud to say anytime I meet a Middlesbrough uh, fan of about 40, 50-year-old vintage, they come up to me and say, <laughs> You ruined my childhood. That bloody free (laughs) kick, all in all, in jest. But you know, it's it's ingrained in people's minds because uh, now Chelsea are very used to winning everything and the biggest of things. But back then, both clubs weren't quite like that, especially Middlesbrough. You know, they hadn't won anything, and something they get their big opportunity uh, and they lose. But for me, that was it's one of my my big games, and I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't think it is, but for me, it was it was wonderful.
0: So from that, from winning the full members cup doing well in the league and finishing fifth did you think sort of after that that this would be the springboard for chelsea to propel to a new level and you know perhaps there would be better players coming into the transfer market with all due respect and then we would be then challenging for the title was you sort of feeling that a little bit and what was the sort of mindset of the of the team as well did the team sort of feel that this was sort of a good level to then
1: kick on um, I think you always uh, kind of hope for that. I think we always uh, looked at you know, the other players. I'm not, sure, not exactly sure what year you know, Andy Townsend and why he came and what have you, but you know, around that time. So, but then oppositely, there was always a downside somewhere. There's always something that happened, you know, somewhere along the way, and and it never kind of stopped. It would go kind of up and down all the time. But uh, you know, on the pitch, you know, I can't uh, say any more than you know we're always you know solid as a group. Uh, really good players. But I I always look back at that period and say, we could always probably win six or seven on the trot. But depending on what then would happen, we could probably, you know, go on a a four or five losing streak. It it was just, it was like that. We had the ability to play really, really well. Could we do it over 38 or 42 games, whatever it was, you know, that that was always going to be a question mark. Uh, And and that was kind of my overriding feeling in that we were talented. We could beat anyone, you know, on our day. And uh, we had some really good players, um, but you know, could we do it consistently uh, for lots of reasons, and and that was always the the slight question mark for me.
0: So when you talk about the inconsistency, because for example, 1991 season, Chelsea finished eleventh that yeah. season, despite we reached the the semi final of the League Cup. Yeah, league season weren't that great, and we finished you know mid-table so you mentioned about the inconsistencies of of Chelsea do you put it down to players do you put it down to perhaps better opposition or from what obviously you've mentioned sort of previously was there other influences that perhaps made certain decisions that
1: yeah corners, I a think, bit of a stir. Yeah, and Did listen, you and, think and, and, is, it was
0: all free or was there my Yeah, one and, and, more and than you're right. Other?
1: No, you're right. And it's a, it's a combination of that. I, you know, I don't want to, you know, blame everything on on things elsewhere yeah, and around, but I, I it's it's just a it's an attitude. it's more of a case of um, you know, those things are there which shouldn't be. So it doesn't help. Okay, maybe we could have finished in 10th from the you know, it, it whatever it is, we, we certainly uh, underperformed and again, we brought some really good players, but it just Sometimes it happened and sometimes it didn't. Um, we, you just felt that uh, after you said finishing so well in fifth, you, can, you know, can we kick on? And we did buy some good players, but we we didn't. You know, our league yeah. again was one uh, just you know of, of a little bit disappointing, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, a shame. And that's when uh, obviously then Mister Bates with the. Uh, with his contract uh, negotiation skill uh, really turned me off. And uh, I decided to wait and, and see what happened at the end of the season. Uh, and, and that and finishing 11th didn't suddenly convince me again, because if you finish fifth and say things are building, you're looking really good and um, you know, you finish sixth or fourth or something. And then the, the great, you think, yeah, you know, absolutely. But once again, I'm thinking, oh, there's just a few more, you know, issues are uh, kind of along the way. Uh, and, and that's when I thought, okay, uh, let's, uh, let's see what else. Uh, you know is on offer because um, if it was in today's uh, market and the way the club is and what have you be mad to leave Chelsea you know what I mean (laughs) you wouldn't be looking anywhere else it's very very different times but but then as I say it were we weren't like that it was really you know some up and down stuff.
0: I want to mention sort of your departure later on because there are a few questions for me that I'd like to link with that because there is a little bit of stuff to talk about. But yeah. going back to 1990, of course, it was a bit of a busy summer for you in regards to yourself being playing because it was Italia '90 as well. And as you say, you, you was part of that England setup. But in regards for Chelsea, they did sign the likes of Dennis Wise and Andy Townsend that summer. What were your thoughts on the club signing these particular players?
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, you're really good. Uh, and Andy uh, and Wiser, you know, quality players. Absolutely. And when you're when you're looking to to improve and get better, yeah, you know, and they paid a good bit of money. You know, yeah. I mean, it was a wisey, like three million quid or something like that. I can't remember, mm. but it was a you know a, a lot of money and certainly a statement to 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 say right. You know, here we are and we're going forward. So uh, yeah, exciting. Yeah, again, new signings are always exciting, uh, but those two in particular. Uh, and good lads as well, you know, good sort of lads having around the dressing room. So it was uh, uh, exciting times when those two joined. Absolutely.
0: Now, as to say you mentioned, see, there were points where you were going to talk about your departure. So I want to sort of get to that now. Yeah. When did you feel it was the right time to leave Chelsea? And the reason why I asked that particular question to start off with is because did at any point that particular season, as you your contract was coming sort of down a little bit. Did Chelsea try to offer you a new contract at this stage?
1: Um, Chelsea offered me a new contract, yes. Uh, they had to do it by a certain date uh, legally. So the, the way that it, it worked, and I can't remember, I think it was around March again, whatever it was. So to make sure they, they got uh, a fee and, and everything else, it's all mm. a little bit different now. But uh, I had to go in the end to a tribunal. Uh, so the Bosman thing was kind of kicking in, what have you, but it ended up being a tribunal, and so it was all to do with what your old club contract was being offered to you, what the new club was, and they'd work out a fee, and that that's how you know it was done. Um, but to be fair, they they came to me obviously previous to that, and um, I don't know, it was just a, when I had that meeting two years previous with Mr Bates, um, he kind of you know sealed it there and then because. I just didn't think that's the way to do things. But uh, he knew as well that I would always give 110%. So I would play to right to, to the very end. but And that's what I did. So I didn't really, um, there was no light bulb moment to think, uh, wow, I have got to stay here, you know, because of, uh, we're going to win the title or we're going to do this, that, and the other. You know, I didn't feel that. I thought, uh, certainly with Wisey and Andy coming in, I thought, oh, actually, this is this is going to be good. But again, that, that was a disappointing season. So um, yeah. uh, And so, um, they they wanted to offer me a new one. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They waited right to the very end, and they uh, they gave it to me in an envelope, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which I thought was p- pretty weird. So I thought, okay, that's uh, that's fine, and I said thanks, but uh, no thanks. And uh, you know, I'm going to wait to the end of the season. Uh, and that's uh, and that's really what happened. But um, mm. yeah, that's it.
0: Because sort of, le- leading up to that summer of ninety one. You was in and out of the team at this point under Bobby Campbell, and there was one game. Yeah, Yeah, there was there was was one one. game. It was a complete disaster, losing seven nil. Seven nil, yes. Away, yes. I would like to talk about that because there's been a lot of rumours that I've heard from Chelsea fans who I've spoken to about that particular event, and obviously yourself. Am I right in saying you played left wing in that game? rather than your customary left-back position. Yeah. What was your mindset at this point of your Chelsea career? Was it a case where you wanted, was it at that point where you wanted to leave? Was there a case of whatever Bobby Campbell's saying, it's not sort of coming to me in regards to trying to convince me to stay? Was there any issues with... Well, yeah, what
1: what it was, no, with what it was, um, it was a case of... Uh, I was playing, I wanted to play every single game, you know, simple Mm -hmm. as that. Uh, I am free to choose. I sign a four year contract. I then do four years. I'm then free to choose what I'd like to do, you know, after that, that's just, uh, that is my choice. Um, They have the choice of not wanting to sell me before that four years. They made their choice. You know, I can, I think I can then make mine. So when they offered me a new contract, uh, I said, uh, thank you, but I'm, I'm turning it down. Uh, That's when, week next week Bobby Campbell left me out he says you're not signing your contract so you're not playing I said but you know I want to play I'll keep going right to the end of the season obviously there's no problem I haven't I haven't got a problem he goes well no we're looking at next season so you're not playing and so then you know he kind of left me out so I thought oh right so for me that was actually really a slap in the face frustrating so but I understand why absolutely Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden this forest game he comes back to me he goes oh we now need you to play because uh, we've got this problem and that problem. Uh, but I want you to play, you know, kind of left wing. Uh, I said, well, I'll play wherever you want me to play and I'll play. No problems at all. And so uh, that's the story of uh, of that. So I played there, but clearly just the way that I thought that he handled everything was not good. And so the mindset was never going to be absolutely 100%. And uh, we went out there and we struggled. You know, we struggled badly. And unfortunately, was it... Um, uh, was it Frank that played left back? I think was it Frank Sinclair. Frank Sinclair, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Frank Frank Sinclair. And I think Crosby, the right winger, kind of, uh, yeah, you know, tore him apart a little bit. And yeah. uh, I didn't really help too much uh, with him either. So it was, uh, yeah, one of those games where everything kind of went wrong. But it, it was uh, that was also a culmination of lots of things that suddenly you know just became apparent in that game. And uh, that's when I, when I talked to you about. Um, you know, consistent high level performance. You know, and spirit. Suddenly, when when it goes wrong, you get those sort of performances when you know something isn't you know one hundred percent right. So um, yeah, but that was that was hugely disappointing that game. But yeah, I was ready to play, and uh, for that one, he, he kind of brought me back from the wilderness because because uh, he needed needed me to play.
0: Lastly, on that particular game, because it, it is a bit of a crazy scoreline, even now. You know, even looking back to sort of nineteen ninety one, but when you was on the pitch when you was on left wing and things as you say weren't going well did you see in other people's performances that perhaps they weren't giving it their all because you know there's been times where say you know the term down tools has sort of come into Mm. effect did you see at that point and this is probably one of the reasons why as you say the inconsistency kicks in did you see a lot of that with players mindsets and in, yeah, in I the
1: think, performance. yeah, I, I think, uh, listen, I'm, I'm part of that as well, you know, did, did I uh, did I go out there and give 100%? Yes, I did. But was it like 100%, you know, when I'm absolutely flying and what have you? And uh, and probably not. And, you know, a lot of the players were like that. But then when things start to go wrong, uh, that's when I talk about, you know, really strong groups. And then you talk about groups that are, that are fractured and, and things aren't, you know, quite 100%. 100%. Uh and then you end up with something like that. Uh, obviously I was played out of position. There's, there's others in the team uh that you know that weren't doing well or whatever it may be. And suddenly you get that sort of performance. And that's when it was you know extremely frustrating. You think, well, how how the hell have we got to this point when you know the players that we had, you know, should never have been like that. So uh disappointing for lots of reasons, but I think to to suddenly get exposed like that was yeah, it, it was a, it was a shocker. Yeah, one of those games where um you're not you're certainly not proud of, uh, you know, the performance, uh, and we got what we deserved, which was absolutely nothing. We got absolutely tanked. But you know, lots of things uh, go into, into, uh, you know, that sort of performance. And uh, I say, just my situation, it was a, is a one instance of that that could have been multiplied by a few few boys in that team.
0: A couple of months later, the summer of ninety one, you did end up leaving Chelsea for Leeds United. I believe the fee was around one point three million pounds. How did this move materialize, and when did sort of the light bulb really come on to to the point where you wanted to leave chelsea uh
1: well I think through the course of that second half of the you know the last season um obviously when I asked for a transfer like two seasons previous um, uh, that's when you know the the reasons for leaving were, were were there, and they hadn't hugely changed you know towards the end obviously we had to read right. ups and downs so i didn't I said so i didn't uh, suddenly changed my mind it's just that I thought right you know let's do my best for the next uh, couple of years and then uh, assess my options basically. See, but see it was what always to...
0: in the back of your mind though that you was looking yeah. at the next step in your yeah
1: exactly in your footballing yeah. career yeah absolutely and I didn't rule it out staying you know absolutely not because mm-hmm. um, if suddenly things uh, you know, turned around, things were sorted out, things were on an even keel hmm. and we're all going the same direction. I'd, absolutely. I, of course I would have stayed, it, it, you know, you'd be crazy not to, but it wasn't, that wasn't the case. And I thought, okay, let's get through the end of the season. Uh, then of course, when Bobby kind of left me out and left me out, I think, well, this is silly. So that didn't help matters. Um, and then I just waited at the end to see uh, what was going to happen. Basically uh, hmm. I was off, I think to Eng- uh, with England, yeah. On an England trip to in Australia and New Zealand. So I was on, on tour with the uh, the national team. And I thought, right, there was two or three other clubs interested as well. Um, but Leeds United got in touch uh, before I went. And I said, no, I'm going to talk to, you know, whoever it is uh, when I get back. And they said, no, you're not. You get your your backside up here now. We want to talk to you straight away. So they made it abundantly clear that, uh, you know, they really, really wanted me to, uh, to talk to them uh, and, and sign. So, you know, as a player, kind of that's, you know, what you want. Uh, yeah. And they finished, I think, fourth in that season that we finished, Chelsea finished 11th, we finished 11th, then they finished fourth. Um, and just talking uh, to Howard Wilkinson, um, you know, convinced me that, okay, uh, let's, let's uh, give this a go. This seems uh, uh, the right option at this time. Uh, clearly the rivalry between the two sides is, 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 rather intense. And obviously I signed for the wrong club, uh, which was, it was really funny. I've, I've got to say that the, the Chelsea fans are, uh, uh, are funny. I mean, we, I came back that first season with Leeds and uh, even when I, I ran out the tunnel, uh, I got booed kind of straight away. And, and listen, and I understand why. And I take that as a compliment. I really do, because, uh, you know, if if they didn't care, they wouldn't, it wouldn't really matter, but because mm. clearly they did. And, you know, I'd left and I'd obviously, then I had gone to that, that club, that particular club as well. Uh, so I got booed straight away, which, you know, was absolutely fine. And then in the warm-up, uh, Leeds, we did a, a keep ball session. So there's just 10 players and we just keep you know passing the ball uh, to each other and every time i got the ball <laughs> the chelsea fans like ooh like going absolutely crazy So my Leeds teammates thought it would be hysterical just to keep giving me the ball. So every second (laughs) pass now was to me. And the Leeds, lot I think, got tired. Sorry, the Chelsea fans got tired, just booing me all the time. In the end, I thought, right, I'm going down to stretch my groins or something, just get away from me, keep the ball away. You know, it was crazy. But it was uh, obviously all in good humour. But, um, uh, yeah, I I don't take that personally in that, um, you know, I I know they weren't happy and I understand why, uh, but... You know, hopefully I, I did well while I was there and uh, they, they certainly saw that.
0: So I was going to say you, you come out of the tunnel going on to Stanford Bridge pitch for the first time as a Leeds United player you hear the booze; there probably would be a few expletives as well <laughs> what, what What? was going through your mindset at that, uh, at that stage you know because you hear nowadays you know f- footballers we've especially with online abuse, but obviously the abuse that some players do get from the stadiums. Did it really affect you at any stage or was it, as you say, just in the back of your mind because you're there to play football?
1: Yeah, no, to be honest, it it, it didn't affect me at all. Uh, um, I I think it more affected me in the warm-up, which I say sounds weird, but only because you don't expect it in a Mm -hmm. Uh, warm-up. Everything is quiet. Mm -hmm. We just, we're just kicking the ball around and suddenly they're going crazy. I thought, wow, this is weird. Uh, of course, every time in the game, they, they would be as well. But, you know, that happens anyway. So and once you're in the zone, you get in that area, uh, you're a professional, you walk over that white line uh, and now it's it's man on man. It's just me against my opposite number from the Chelsea team. It's not me against, you know, the, the crowd type of thing. Yeah. So I never, I just like, a, a, you know, the, the more hostile atmosphere. I think it's brilliant. I, I love that. I think it's great, whether it's for you or against you or whatever it is. So I, I didn't, it didn't affect me uh when i was playing but um it was just a, a surprise when i first, first walked out and uh uh it was all as i it, it, of course it was it was um uh loud and what have you but you know again i understand why uh, and so it's absolutely fine it, it's part of the game uh, and on we went and uh, you know we had a we had a great game uh, and and uh, i think uh i think lees actually won that one we won that one 2-1 but um I could at least, uh, you know, go out there. It wasn't a, a 5 0 hiding or anything. So, uh, yeah. But again, you that's know, true. Chelsea. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's a bit. That would be a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> then I would get dogs abuse again. But uh, uh, and, and you know what? And the rivalry is great because you know the lead Leeds Chelsea rivalry goes back, you know, so very far as well. Yeah. And uh, for for many a year, um, my my two boys. I've got two two sons and a daughter, and my eldest son is a is a, a big Chelsea fan. He's a mad Chelsea fan. And, uh, you know, he, he loves uh, Chelsea uh, through thick and thin. And uh, my second son more so remembers Leeds. So he's a Leeds fan. And so for years and years, you know, the brotherly love there, normally it's a bit of a competition. Well, it wasn't because Leeds were rubbish for, you know, almost no, 16 years. <laughs> it was no fun, you know. My eldest one going, oh, this is, this is no good. So finally, <laughs> Leeds coming back, you know, at least it brought back some of those nice memories. And, uh, you know, Chelsea, I'm, I'm sure... I love nothing more than beating Leeds and, and vice versa. Leeds love beating Chelsea. So, Absolutely. But that rivalry is, you know, the way it should be. It, it's good now.
0: So that was your sort of Chelsea career that we've sort of gone through. I want to talk about the current events now. Um, one in particular that has divided a lot of opinion. And I also wanted to see, sort of get your thoughts on this based on, you know, you commentating Serie A football, which does have this type of software as well. VAR. So Tony, what's what's your thoughts on VAR? Obviously, do you feel it's a good thing for football? Do you feel it can be tweaked a little bit? What's your overriding views on VAR? Uh,
1: Is this podcast in four different parts? Because I could be going on for a long time about (laughs) bloody VAR. And it drives me mad. Yes, I I am. You're right. I I commentate. So that's what I I do now. I'm also uh, an ambassador for the for the Leeds United, uh, the club, but I do a lot of commentating. So I Commentated on City R for God knows how many years. Uh, I do internationals. I've done the Euros. I did eight and nine games there. Uh, I do um, you know lots and lots of other stuff. So any championship. So I've seen from the start of VAR right up to to what it is now. Uh, what I will say is that right at the start, uh, I was certainly for it. Uh, I thought getting the obvious decisions corrected uh, can only be a good thing. What a mess we made of it in that. <laughs> It is so important that the game flows, it's quickly, and we get to those right decisions. Um, you know, when you're talking the inch of a, you know, a gnat splitty leg width or something, it's just ridiculous. You know, that's not what you know, I don't think VR should be brought in for. If you want that, go and watch American football because that stops and starts and it'll be minute detail and on you go. So I thought we got the balance quite wrong. Uh, I think the Bundesliga, and I covered that a little bit, uh, I thought they got it right very well right from the start. I thought there the way they handled it was excellent uh, and they really gave the referee at the ground the control and um, you know if he was sure he saw something that's fine get on with it only when it was something he didn't he would run across and then he would decide so that was good uh, Syria when they started disaster oh god my first game of Syria I just could not <laughs> believe what I was watching it took 6 minutes like 6 whole minutes for this penalty decision to uh, be given and it was clear as day that it was a yard inside the box, but no one kind of knew what was going on. Uh, you know, the referee is standing there with his, his finger in his ear, talking to someone, then walks over and looks at the thing. So, you know, it's been a learning curve. I, I think that's what I've, I've probably come out of. It. It's been a learning curve. Now the Italians have suddenly got a different interpretation of like the hand uh, handball rule in the penalty box. So they're giving penalties for fun. So they're going to VAR, it clips his little finger and it's a penalty. I'm thinking, oh, my God. You know, so the the I suppose the offence needs to equal a penalty, you know, a goal. And when it clips a little finger from it. So it got really silly. So to be fair to the Italians, they got a little bit better. But now I think the way the Premier League have done it, I think we've gone a bit wacky as well. You know, we haven't got to grips with it correctly. I think we are now looking at these, these lines, the thickness of the line and all this sort of stuff. It's just got very, very silly. And suddenly we are looking at a lot of, Instances and decisions, which I think other countries have used it better, aren't doing that. Hmm. So I'm hoping now, and I've just read the latest laws because I need to be up on all of these laws, and they they keep saying now that that yeah, it's going to change again, and this is what's going to happen. I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. But what (laughs) I would say, I think VAR uh, as a concept, I think is a good one. It's how it's used and interpreted. Uh, I think we're doing a bad job of that. But the Euros and Euro 2020. Uh, I thought the refereeing and and that was was pretty good. Yes, there were one or two decisions which I wouldn't agree with, uh, even with VAR. But I thought on the whole, I thought the balance was pretty darn good. And if we could replicate that, I'll be happy. But we haven't done that last season. We were, you know, the, the way it was used, what well, wasn't very good.
0: Last thing on on VAR, and you make you did actually make a good point. You mentioned about comparing it with the Bundesliga and the referee having control. So whereby, yes, he's got VAR as a backup so you know so to speak so he's got like another camera to see and everything yeah. else do you feel that with that then that the Premier League referees they use it as maybe a scapegoat because they maybe are perhaps frightened to make the yes. decision
1: absolutely so when it ends up you know they're not making the decision uh, they're always waiting to see what they've done wrong and of course, when they get that call in their ear, they're, <laughs> then there's suddenly they're going to decide. Well, obviously, I've got to go have a look, and obviously, I've got to give it the other way. Um, but you know, when you've got VAR, you know, looking at millimeters and, and timing and, and slowing it down to, you know, whatever uh, you know, part of the film, uh, second, millisecond. I think that's just crazy. You know, I, 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 the whole concept of VAR was to get the 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 obvious, clear, and obvious errors changed. And when it's not clear and obvious, and I know that is suddenly a gray area. I understand that by just by saying that it's a gray area, but you know, let's get the real obvious ones. You know, when he's a foot offside or two foot, that's that, yeah, that's offside. But when you're talking millimeters and what have you, there's some crazy ones. Uh, you know, we've all seen on match of the day, you know, when suddenly it's the armpit. So there's a line from the armpit down to the, I'm thinking, Oh, come on. It's just, you know, are we using it really for that sort of thing? And uh, yeah, I know technology will move on and then we'll, we'll be able to define it exactly right. But, I think stopping the game is against what you know, football is all about you know, that many times. You could be keep stopping the game forever, couldn't you? So clear and obvious, let's do that. Let the referee get on with it and, and make his decision and feel like he's in charge at least.
0: Not going to discuss VAR too much now, because as you say, it's probably going to be another few hours <laughs> just sort of going through certain decisions and everything else. But I want to talk about Chelsea of the present day, Chelsea of today, yeah. European champions for the second time. It's quite weird actually saying it for the second the European <laughs> championship for the second Sounds time. good. <laughs> it, it sounds great. It, it, still, it still sounds a little bit different. But what have you made of Chelsea sort of over the last 12 months? It's been obviously a lot different from what Chelsea was this time last year with under Frank. Now with Thomas Tuchel in charge. And the way Chelsea have set up with Werner now sort of not as the main striker is probably what he was... Potentially going to be when he first came in, and with Havertz now, what's your what's your overall view on Chelsea Football Club today? I
1: think um, again, and I've seen them uh, obviously on TV a load, but in the flesh a few times now as well. When they when they played uh, Leeds at Stamford Bridge, I thought uh, God, Chelsea were 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 superb. Uh, for like 45 minutes, an hour there. they were just different class, you know, absolutely. And the, the speed, the way they move the ball around. Um, I love it when you've got, you know, good youngsters coming through. It's obviously Mason Mount, you know, how he's developed has, has been uh, wonderful. And I don't know how important that is for, you know, for Chelsea uh, supporters. Any football club wants, you know, at least a, a local uh, lad in there that does well, that gets his opportunity. But as we all know at Chelsea, that's almost impossible, isn't it? You know, because of the talent that they've got. So to, you have to go out on loan, prove yourself, and then come back and do the business. So suddenly, uh, certainly Frank Lampard was uh, fortunate in one way because that's what he had to do. You know He was forced into that. However, uh, suddenly you, you develop these players like you know Abraham, James, Mount, uh, Tamori, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera that, that they did get their opportunity and, and they look great. Then you add to the, the experience that they, they've got and then you suddenly buy Havertz, Werner, Thiago Silva, and then obviously the, the keeper is Will Mendy. Uh, and you think, wow, you know, now they've got an absolute chance. But um, certainly Werner uh, is one of those players that I keep thinking is going to, you know, he's going to smash 40 goals one season. But actually, uh, it would be a lot better if the if the weight was taken off him, as you said, whether he plays out wide or before. And then he will turn it on. And he'll probably then go and score 15, 20 goals and set up 15 or 20. I think he'll be a great asset. But that balance, and that's what it's always been about, hasn't it? And then when you suddenly, you know, Lampard left, Tuchel comes in and he got the balance. You know, he managed to work it out, what was required. And then you go on that, you know, winning run, unbeaten for God knows how many games. And and you, the, the team looks so different. You think, well, how's that possible? But it's just by getting that balance right. And, of course, you know, Havertz, um, I suppose, obviously with the German manager as well, just understanding that a bit more. But take, players take time to settle as well. And he's only a young lad. You know, that's what kind of people forget as well. Yes, I know the money's huge, but they still need time to to settle, but once you then have Thiago Silva, is any more experience than him? No. Put all the other good players together, a bit of confidence, and uh, away they go. And yeah, they they looked you know really really good at times. And the only thing uh, was missing a lot of the games that I saw was just the finish, you know, just that finishing because uh, Chelsea really could have won so many games uh, quite easily. Yet because they didn't score, they then got punished, and so it was never a case of not making the chances. It was just that last little bit. So you can understand why now, can't you, that uh, the number one priority is getting that uh, that number nine that can just finish off all the good work. And uh, hence why I'm sure it looks like a lot of money is going to be spent pretty shortly, or, or so it seems anyway. Let's see.
0: Well, I was going to say, as of sort of recording, Chelsea have heavily linked with a former player of theirs in Romelu Lukaku. He scored a lot of good goals for Inter Milan, fired Inter Milan. He was part of that side that won the S- Serie A, finally sort of taking it from Juventus after so many years of winning it. But do you think Lukaku's the answer? Do you believe that he would be the right fit? Or do you think that there's somebody else out there based on what Chelsea, how, how they play? Do you think that there is someone out there that would suit that better? Or do you think Lukaku is the answer?
1: Uh, I, I think there's I think there's two or three answers out there. Uh, I think they all cost a lot of money. Um, but when you're talking about, you know, what is the answer for Chelsea? Well, what's clearly what's required is just a goal scorer. You know, it's someone to finish off the work. And that's it. You know, you, you're not talking about too much too much else. Yes, they need to link play. You know, absolutely. They need to link up with us because you'll have runners from midfield that and they can score. Vern obviously will feed off that. Habits will feed off that. But that, that, person that will guarantee 20 goals, you know, in that season. That's what Chelsea are after. Now, with that player, you're suddenly, you know, you're on your fingers of one hand, aren't you? Because Chelsea are champions of Europe, for goodness sake. So we're talking the elite, and that's what they're going for. And all the names have been mentioned, you know, Lewandowski, Haaland, Mm. uh, Harry Kane, uh, Lukaku. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. It's, It's that level. They're all great players, all great goal scorers. And Lukaku, the model that you saw at Chelsea, Lukaku now is a, is a different player, like a different player. You know, he has come on absolutely leaps and bounds and he has got strength. He has got now that, that finishing touch. He has got the ability to hold it up and bring others into play. Uh, you know, there's so much more to his game now, and I, I think he's progressed and progressed. You saw it was at West Brom then at Everton, then at Manchester United. Maybe not so much, but at Inter, uh, he's been super Some games unplayable, just with his strength and ability, uh, but always looking to ball to feet. He spins and scores, and uh, yeah, he's an impressive, impressive individual now. Uh, a great experience, I think he knows all about Chelsea. And I think if you're talking someone as, a, as a, an, an easier fit, he knows what he's coming into. And I think uh, he would be you know, a heck of a signing. He's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, but all the other ones that I talked about are going to cost a lot of money as well. So that's the in the market. That's what, uh, you know, that money gets you, a, a top quality 20 gold striker. And that is exactly what Chelsea need.
0: Final question, Tony, for this interview. And again, thank you very much for your time. How do you reflect back on your career at Chelsea?
1: Uh, a lot of fondness. I really do. And uh, it, it, it's easy to say that. And I'm not saying that just because I'm on you know, a Chelsea podcast. And I would say that about a lot of clubs because uh, I enjoyed, I enjoy, love playing football. Uh, I love doing it well. I, I try to do my best. Uh, supporters, uh, you know, are, are right behind you and, and it's brilliant. And when you've got the support that I had at Chelsea, it is fantastic. You know, we won things. We had, I've got great memories, to say you know, at Wembley, you know, winning the, the title, uh, the, the, uh, the old Second Division title as well. Um, it, but uh, there's some frustration in there as well. But I, I don't look back and have regrets. I, I'm delighted I joined. I, I had a great uh, four years uh, down there. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a proud moment to have those four years playing in blue, absolutely, and uh, never, never regret any of it. So, um, you know, I always look out for the results as well. And, um, you know, when they won uh, Europe, I was jumping up and down with, you know, with everyone else and uh, uh, and rightly so. So, yeah, uh, long may that continue. There's a rivalry, obviously, when it, when it comes to playing with, against Leeds. Uh, I'm always a bit split on that one. Uh, that's a difficult <laughs> one, but uh, I spent six years at Leeds, but for my four years at Chelsea, I always do look back, you know, very, very fondly uh, on them. Absolutely.
0: Well, Tony, thank you very much for your time being on the podcast. I've appreciated it. And hopefully... Once the season sort of kicks off properly and we get full attendance, hopefully we'll see you down the bridge one day as well.
1: Absolutely, I, I would love to come down there. Uh, I will be down there, obviously with the, with Leeds as well and uh, watching what is now uh, wonderful football. Uh, Chelsea play some some great stuff, and long may that continue. Hopefully, this time it's a real uh, title tilt. That's what uh, that's what the uh, the boys deserve. Superb, Tony. Thank you very much for your time today. Cheers, Keith. Lovely. Thanks very much. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.